nomine Dei Nostri Satanas Luciferi Excelsi. In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king of the world, I command the forces of darkness to bestow their infernal power upon us. Open wide the gates of hell and come forth from the abyss by these names. Satan. Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm Richard. I'm Steven. And today we're taking a look at the history and philosophy of Satanism. We've done 90-some episodes just to get here, and I will say, this is our second attempt to record this, so we're going to have twice the pep. Yeah. <laughs> we had a little oopsie-daisy on the first recording. <laughs> we're not feeling defeated at all. <laughs> not at all. We're reinvigorated by Satan's loving mercy. <laughs> So, Stephen, how was your week? It's the same soup warmed up, same same trash, different smell. It's all the same <laughs> shit. Doing okay, that. though. Same trash, different smell. Same trash. Big world, a lot of smells. What about you, man? <laughs> uh, it hasn't been too bad. The kitty that we uh, we rescued is doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, what was her name? We, we've been calling her – my mom been calling her Vanessa, but I've been calling her Count Orlock because she <laughs> looks like Nosferatu a little bit. Oh hell yeah! Got them them sunk them big kind of bulgy eyes and like kind of the narrow cheeks and the big old pointy ears. That's pretty cute. Oh, she's incredibly cute and stark black cat, beautiful. Man, it for like a six month stretch in rehab, I fell asleep every night watching um, Nosferatu synced up to Burzum albums, yeah, and I came. You're a out- different breed. <laughs> <laughs> I came out more satanic than when I went in. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have a couple honorable mentions, but we're going to push those off till next week when we freestyle. Had a really cool story about a guy who tried to steal some art from Beeble, and he did so successfully in a very funny manner. We're going to talk about that and some other cores in our freestyle next week, and we're just going to get straight into it since we got a shit ton to cover today, but it's going to be a wild, weird ride. So Yeah, but before we begin, if you're not familiar with this subject matter, we urge you to set down your preconceived notions. Take a journey with us for a little while, and if you choose to at the end, feel free to pick back up your previous notions. It's important to understand that the idea of Satan or Satanism means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And all of those different beliefs require different engagement. Today we're going to be looking at the history of Satanism, its churches, and philosophies. At times, it may seem like we're bouncing around a bit or skipping back and forth through time, but it's really just because this is such a complicated topic. Take what you find intriguing and trash the rest. That's one hell of a disclaimer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's so true, though. It is just a really complicated topic that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think that's a fair thing to do with most, you know, all religious, you know, or, or true. you know, r- spiritual things in general. Just take the parts that you like and then, you know, fuck all the rest of it. Straight to the dump. <laughs> Satanism is the literal or philosophical worship of God's arch nemesis. It is an idea formed out of rebellion of religious authority, and in turn fueled hysteria and at times persecution, all while ingraining itself into the counterculture. It has led to thousands of interpretations while still being tied to the same common themes and imagery. 
Anton LaVey, the founder of the first modern church of Satan and the writer of the Satanic Bible, wrote, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had, as he has kept it in business all these years. In many ways, Satanism is the equal and opposite reaction to Christianity and theism as a whole. So we need to start with the root of all evil, God and his silly book, the Bible. This is from Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. The devil, also referred to as Satan, is best known as the personification of evil and the nemesis of good people everywhere. His image and the story has evolved over the years, and the devil has been called different names in various cultures, including Beelzebub, Lucifer, Satan, the Bahamut, which I can't say right. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard it a, much more often as Baphomet or even Baphomet. Yeah, so, I think Baphomet's closer. And then the last one is Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mephistopheles, but yeah, yeah, basically the same thing. Basically Mr. Mistopheles. With various physical descriptions, including horns and cloven hooves instead of feet. But this malevolent being and his legion of demons continue to strike fear into people as the antithesis of all things good. Although the devil is present in some form or another in many religions and can be compared to mythological gods, he's arguably best known for his role in Christianity. In modern biblical translations, the devil is the adversary of God and God's people. It is commonly thought that the devil first showed up in the Bible in the book of Genesis as a serpent who convinced Eve who then convinced Adam to eat forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. As the story goes, after Eve fell for the devil's convincing ways, she and Adam were banished from the Garden of Eden and doomed to mortality. Many Christians believe the devil was once a beautiful angel named Lucifer who defied God and fell from grace. This assumption that he is a fallen angel is often based on the book of Isaiah in the Bible, which reads, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Some biblical scholars, however, claim Lucifer isn't a proper name, but a descriptive phrase, meaning morning star. Still, the name stuck, and the devil was often referred to as Lucifer or Satan. Who Satan was is irrelevant, but the concept of Satan holds meaning. Satan the betrayer of God, the tempter of Eve, was an angel cast down from heaven by God himself. Conceptually, Satan is the adversary, the opposite of God. He is the balancer of the scales. Today, the inverted pentagram, circumscribed by a circle, also known as a pentacle, is often used to represent Satanism. Historically, Satanism is a group of ideological and philosophical beliefs based on the concept of Satan. Contemporary religious practices of Satanism began with the founding of the Atheistic Church of Satan, by Anton LaVey in the United States in 1966, although a few historical precedents exist. Prior to public practice, Satanism existed primarily as an accusation by various Christian groups towards perceived ideological opponents, rather than a self-identity. Satanism and the concept of Satan has also often been used by artists and entertainers for symbolic expression. Accusations that various groups have been practicing Satanism have been made throughout much of Christian history. During the Middle Ages, the Inquisition attached to the Catholic Church alleged that various heretical Christian sects and groups, such as the Knights Templar and the Cathars, performed secret Satanic rituals. 
In the subsequent early modern period, belief in a widespread satanic conspiracy of witches resulted in mass trials of alleged witches across Europe and the North American colonies. Accusations that satanic conspiracies were active and behind events such as Protestantism, and conversely, the Protestant claim that the Pope was the Antichrist and the French Revolution continued to be made in Christendom during the 18th to the 20th century. The idea of a vast satanic conspiracy reached new heights with the influential Taxel host of France in the 1890s which claimed that Freemasonry worshipped Satan, Lucifer, and the Bahamut in their rituals. In the 1980s and 1990s, the satanic ritual abuse hysteria spread throughout the United States and the United Kingdom, amid fears that groups of Satanists were sexually abusing and murdering children in their rites. In most of these cases, there is no corroborating evidence that any of those accused of Satanism were actually practitioners of a satanic religion or guilty of allegations leveled against them. In the 1980s, the U.S. would experience a wave of satanic paranoia, dubbed the Satanic Panic. <laughs> Basically, a modern version of the Salem witch trials, in which religious and media frenzy led to a moral panic consisting of over 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of satanic ritual abuse. Damn. And while this phenomenon may have been initially limited to the United States, it continued spreading throughout many parts of the world by the late 1990s, and persisting in a lesser form today. Thousands of people's lives were ruined, or they were imprisoned, on baseless accusations. Yeah, it's not quite the same as the witch trials. You know, people weren't being burnt at the stake, but man, a lot, a lot of people went to prison over some dumb shit. Over some real dumb religious bullshit. And, you know, I'm sure, like, out of the, you know, 12,000 cases and overall, some of the people, I'm sure, were guilty of different things or, or right, yeah. thought they were worshiping Satan because they were mentally ill. But, fuck, man, it's just all 99.9% .9 bullshit. Christians today continue to shout blame at artists from Marilyn Manson to Eminem as satanic influences on children. And while much of the satanic panic has passed, they still tend to condemn video games, violent movies, monster energy drinks, and even books they don't like. At least the police aren't opening investigations on the kids that play Dungeons and Dragons anymore. Right. It's fucking crazy. Terrifying. That was actually a thing. So right. crazy. Since the 19th century, various small religious groups have emerged that identify as Satanists or use Satanic iconography in rebellion to moral authority. 99% of those who identify with these satanic symbols do so in rebellion, be it juvenile or earnestly, or they just like a band or the gothy aesthetic. 1% is mentally ill, holding a genuine belief and attempting to represent a literal devil incarnate. On the other hand, the humorless churches think all these kids should burn in hell for shopping at Hot Topic. Definitely. The satanist groups that appeared after the 1960s are widely diverse, but two major trends are theistic Satanism and atheistic Satanism. Theistic Satanists venerate Satan as a supernatural deity, viewing him not as omnipotent, but rather as a patriarch. In contrast, atheistic Satanisms regard Satan as a symbol of certain human traits. Contemporary religious Satanism is predominantly an American phenomenon, the ideas spreading elsewhere with the effects of globalization and the internet. The internet spreads awareness of other Satanists and is also the main battleground for Satanist disputes. Satanism started to reach Central and Eastern Europe in the 1990s, in time with the fall of the Soviet Union, and most noticeably in Poland and Lithuania, predominantly Roman Catholic countries. 
In their study of Satanism, some religious studies scholars stated that the term Satanism has a history of being a designation made by people against those whom they dislike. It is a term used for othering. The concept of Satanism is an invention of Christianity, for it relies upon the figure of Satan, a character deriving from Christian mythology. Satanism as something others do is very different from Satanism as a self-designation. The word Satan was not originally a proper name, but rather an ordinary noun that means adversary. In this context, it appears at several points in the Old Testament. For instance, in the book of Samuel, David is presented as the Satan, or adversary, of the Philistines, while in the book of Numbers, the term appears as a verb when Jehovah sent an angel to Satan to oppose Balaam. Prior to the composition of the New Testament, the idea developed within Jewish communities that Satan was the name of an angel who had rebelled against Jehovah and had been cast out of heaven along with his followers. This account would be incorporated into contemporary texts like the Book of Enoch. This Satan was then featured in parts of the New Testament, where he was presented as a figure who tempted humans to commit sin. In the Book of Matthew and the Book of Luke, he tried to tempt Jesus of Nazareth as the latter fasted in the wilderness. The word Satanism was adopted in English from the French Satanisme. It's just Satanism. Satanism. You have to say it like you're holding like you're holding a baguette. (laughs) (laughs) The terms Satanism and Satanist are first recorded as appearing in the English and French languages during the 16th century, when they are used by Christian groups to attack other rival Christian groups. In a Roman Catholic tract of 1565, the author condemns the heresies, blasphemies, and satanismies <laughs> of the Protestants. In an Anglican work of 1559, Anabaptists and other Protestant sects are condemned as swarms of Satanists. As used in this manner, the term Satanism was not used to claim that people were literally worshiping Satan, but rather it claimed that the accused was deviating from true Christianity and thus serving the will of Satan. Because they know the true will of God. Right. During the 19th century, the term Satanism began to be used to describe those considered to lead a broadly immoral lifestyle, and it was only in the late 19th century that it came to be applied in English to individuals who were believed to consciously and deliberately venerate Satan. This latter meaning had appeared earlier in the Swedish language. The Lutheran bishop Laurentius Polinius Gothus had described devil-worshipping sorcerers as Sathanister and his Ethica Christiana, produced between 1615 and 1630. Historical and anthropological research suggests that nearly all societies have developed the idea of a sinister and anti-human force that can hide itself within society. This commonly involves a belief in witches, a group of individuals who invert the norms of their society and seek to harm their community, for instance by engaging in incest, murder, and cannibalism. Allegations of witchcraft may have different causes and serve different functions within a society. For instance, they may serve to uphold social norms, to heighten the tension and existing conflicts between individuals, or to scapegoat certain individuals for various social problems. Another contributing factor to the idea of Satanism is the concept that there is an agent of misfortune, an evil who operates on a cosmic scale, something usually associated with a strong form of ethical dualism that divides the world clearly into forces of good and forces of evil. The earliest such entity is Angra Mainyu, a figure that appears in the Persian religion of Zoroastrianism. 
This concept was also embraced by Judaism and early Christianity, and although it was soon marginalized within Jewish thought, it gained increasing importance within early Christian understandings of the cosmos. While the early Christian idea of the devil was not well developed, it gradually adapted and expanded through the creation of folklore, art, theological treatises, and morality tales, thus providing the character with a range of extra-biblical associations. While Satan and hell are considered to be such fundamental concepts in modern Christianity, both are relatively minor concepts in the Bible itself. The increase of concentration on the devil and hell throughout history represent a turning away from faith to a focus on fear. These ideas were fear tactics and marketing propaganda that allowed powerful men to steal the title of Pope, and with it, power, and with that, money. There is no heaven if there is no hell. And without heaven, how the hell are you going to sell so many goddamn Bibles? I got all these Bibles and no one's buying. <laughs> got to scare them. Hell, guys, hell yep. fire and brimstone. This is your this is your whole, you're going to burn in hell for eternity. You think this life's bad. Unless you buy this book for $9.99. <laughs> At that price, you're basically losing money if you don't buy the book. <laughs> When we look back at the spread of Christianity during the Middle Ages, it's easy to understand how Satanism has come to represent what it does today. As Christianity expanded throughout the Middle East, North Africa, and Europe, it came into contact with a variety of other religions, which it regarded as pagan. Christian theologians claimed that the gods and goddesses venerated by these pagans were not genuine divinities, but were actually demons. However, they did not believe that pagans were deliberately devil worshippers, instead claiming that they were simply misguided. In Christian iconography, the devil and demons were given the physical traits of figures from classical mythology, such as the god Pan, fauns, and satyrs. Those Christian groups regarded as heretics by the Roman Catholic Church were treated differently, with theologians arguing that they were deliberately worshipping the devil. This was accompanied by claims that such individuals engaged in incestuous sexual orgies, they murdered infants, and committed acts of cannibalism, all stock accusations that had previously been leveled at Christians themselves in the Roman Empire. It's that monkey say, monkey do, pot calling the kettle black bullshit. Monkey fucking kill your cousin too. Damn right. <laughs> the first recorded example of such an accusation being made within Western Christianity took place in Toulouse in 1022, when two clerics were tried for allegedly venerating a demon. Throughout the Middle Ages, this accusation would be applied to a wide range of Christian heretical groups, including the Politians, Bogomils, Cathars, Waldensians, and the Hussites. The Knights Templar were accused of worshipping an idol known as Baphomet, with Lucifer having appeared at their meetings in the form of a cat. <laughs> which would be pretty fucking cool. That was the first trash cat. Yeah, <laughs> the original trash cat, Lucifer, yeah. at a Knights <laughs> Templar meeting. As well as these Christian groups... These claims were also made about Europe's Jewish community. In many ways, the Jewish people received a lot of heat for their satanic rituals. Many of the roots of anti-Semitism go back to early accusations of Jewish misdeeds, alleged by the Christians. Blood libel, or ritual murder libel, also called blood accusations, is an anti-Semitic canard which falsely accuses Jews of murdering Christian boys in order to use their blood in the performance of religious rituals. My understanding of the origins of that is that uh, Jewish people have a special bread they, they make, I believe, for a religious sacrament that is a, a blood bread. So that small grain of truth was taken 
and like pulled into some crazy bullshit where they accuse the Jews of murdering their Catholic young men. Oh, and the Catholics would never do that. The Christians well, would never extrapolate some the common thing <laughs> into bullshit. Right. I think it was in until the first or second, I think it was the second reformation of the church, like within the last 100 years, they finally changed their wording of the burden they put on Jews to to change from that they previously, for all these hundreds of years, blamed Jews for killing Jesus to like the changed wording of today is that they just didn't know what they're doing. We don't hate the Jews anymore. <laughs> they, they didn't say sorry. They no, just changed their phrase. Not at all. The Catholics have hated Jews for the length of their existence. This libel, alongside those accusations of well poisonings and host desecrations, became a major theme of the persecution of the Jews in Europe from that period and continuing on to present day. In the 13th century, there were also references made to a group of Luciferians, led by a woman named Lucardus, which hoped to see Satan rule in heaven. References to this group continued into the 14th century, although historians studying the allegations concur that these Luciferians were likely a fictitious invention. Within Christian thought, the idea developed that certain individuals could make a pact with Satan. This may have emerged after observing that pacts with certain gods and goddesses played a role in various pre-Christian belief systems, or that such pacts were also made as part of the Christian cult of the saints. Another possibility is that it derives from a misunderstanding of Augustine of Hippo's condemnation of Augury and his On the Christian Doctrine, written in the late 4th century. Here, he stated that people who consulted augurs were entering quasi-pacts or covenants with demons. The idea of the diabolical pact made with demons was popularized across Europe in the story of Faust, likely based in part on the real life of Johann George Faust. And we even saw it continuing in today with folk music and the devil. Yep, the 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 devil visiting Georgia and and history was made again. You yeah. know, everyone talks about how God came, you know, to Earth and and Jesus and all that stuff, but no one really talks too much about the devil went down to Georgia. How the devil showed up in Georgia and taught people how to use the fiddle. He's very passionate about the fiddle. But he never taught me how to play piano. I made the deal with the devil, and he didn't teach me shit, and I still suck at piano. But he did make you extremely good at the kazoo. I can play a hell of a kazoo. can play the devil went down to Georgia on the kazoo. <laughs> that sounds so abrasive. <laughs> as, <laughs> as the late medieval gave way to the early modern period, European Christendom experienced a schism between the established Roman Catholic Church and the breakaway Protestant movement. In the ensuing Reformation and Counter-Reformation, both Catholics and Protestants accused each other of deliberately being in league with Satan. It was in this context that the terms Satanist and Satanism emerged in the public consciousness. The early modern period also saw fear of Satanists reach its historical apogee in the form of witch trials of the 15th to 18th century. This came about as the accusations which had been leveled against medieval heretics among them, that devil worship were applied to the pre-existing idea of the witch, or the practitioner of malevolent magic. The idea of a conspiracy of satanic witches was developed by educated elites. 
Although the concept of malevolent witchcraft was a widespread part of popular belief and folkloric ideas about the night witch, the wild hunt, and the dance of the fairies, they were all incorporated into it. The earliest trials took place in northern Italy and France, before spreading it out to other areas of Europe and to Britain's northern American colonies, being carried out by the legal authorities in both Catholic and Protestant regions. Between 30,000 and 50,000 individuals were executed as accused satanic witches. Holy shit. Most historians agree that the majority of those persecuted in these witch trials were innocent of any involvement in devil worship. However, in their summary of the evidence for the trials, the historians Geoffrey Scar and John Callow thought it was without doubt that some of those accused in the trial had been guilty of employing magic in an attempt to harm their enemies, and were thus genuinely guilty of witchcraft. In 17th century Sweden, a number of highway robbers and other outlaws living in the forest informed judges that they had venerated Satan because he provided more practical assistance than Jehovah. This could be regarded as folkloric Satanism. The original goat pentagram was drawn and first appeared in the book Le Clef de la Magi Noire by Stanislaw de Guaita in 1897. This symbol would later become synonymous with Baphomet and is commonly referred to as the Sabbatic goat. During the 18th century, gentlemen's social clubs became increasingly prominent in Britain and Ireland, among the most secretive of which were the Hellfire Clubs, which were first reported in the 1720s. The most famous of these groups was the Order of the Knights of St. Francis, which was founded circa 1750 by the aristocrat Sir Francis Dashwood. A number of contemporary press sources portrayed these as gatherings of atheist rakes where Christianity was mocked and toasts were made to the devil. Beyond these sensationalist accounts, which may not be accurate portrayals of the actual events, little is known about the activities of the Hellfire Club. It has been suggested that they may have engaged in a form of playful Satanism in which Satan was invoked to show a daring contempt for conventional morality by individuals who neither believed in his literal existence nor wanted to pay homage to him. The French Revolution of 1789 dealt a blow to the hegemony of the Roman Catholic Church in parts of Europe, and soon a number of Catholic authors began making claims that it had been masterminded by a conspiratorial group of Satanists. Among the first to do so was the French Catholic priest Jean-Baptiste Fiard, who publicly claimed that a wide range of individuals, including tarot card readers, had supernatural powers allowing them to curse people and to shapeshift into both cats and fleas. <laughs> These ideas became popularized among occultists, including Stanislaw de Guaita, a Kabbalist who used them for the basis of his book, The Temple of Satan. The first person to promote an explicitly satanic philosophy was a Polish writer by the name Stanislaw Pierespiski, who based his ideology on social Darwinism of the 1890s. When discussing Satanism, we would be remiss not to mention the man who, to his credit, most popularized it as an idea to the modern age. Aleister Crowley was not a Satanist, but used rhetoric and imagery considered satanic. Both during his life and after it, the British occultist Aleister Crowley had been widely described as a Satanist, usually by detractors. Crowley stated he did not consider himself a Satanist, nor did he worship Satan, as he did not accept the Christian worldview in which Satan was believed to exist. He nevertheless used imagery considered Satanic, for instance by describing himself as the Beast 666, <laughs> and referring to the Whore of Babylon in his work, while later in life he sent anti-Christmas cards to his friends. Despite the fact that Crowley was not a Satanist, 
He, in many ways, embodies the pre-Satanist esoteric discourse on Satan and Satanism through his lifestyle and his philosophy, with his image and thought becoming an important influence on the later development of religious Satanism. Without Crowley, I don't think anyone would give a fuck about Black Sabbath. <laughs> Mr. Crowley was an Ozzy Osbourne solo gig, solo oh, song, what after... It's terrible. It's what? not. It's a good song. Go fuck Mr. yourself. Mr. Crowley. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, no one was making dark shit like that back then. If for its time, I probably would have liked it. But I think Crowley deserves a deeper dive another day. And we'll, we'll dive into that madman's mind. Yeah, I'm definitely down to do that. Or we'll just do what we will with the whole of the law. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Crowley. You Someone's read fuck. the book of the law. What a garbage read. I it's so brutal. I loved four sentences of it. The other yeah. 50 pages were trash. Just absolute nonsense. In the early 20th century, British novelist Dennis Wheatley produced a range of influential novels in which his protagonists battled satanic groups. At the same time, nonfiction authors like Montague Summers and Rollo Ahmed published books claiming that satanic groups practicing black magic were still active across the world although they provided no evidence that this was the case. What losers. Uh, I bet they were fun books for the time, but what losers. In let's 19- go fight good. Let's do, let's do, <laughs> let's fight for good and against evil. Yeah. It's not fun. Go fuck yourself. Sounds like Van Helsing. Yeah. Yeah. In 1928, the Fraternus Saturni was established in Germany. Its founder, Eugene Grosch, published Satanish Magi or Satanic Magic the same year. The group connected Satan to Saturn, claiming that the planet related to the sun in the same manner that Lucifer relates to the human world. That just sounds like a really dumb man getting <laughs> getting caught up on Satan and Saturn sounding similar. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it's probably the same. I know Crowley also connected Saturn to Satan, and I don't know if that is purely an etymology thing or if... It's got to just be a sounds the same thing, because even in like a mythological context, Pluto was like the leader of Hades or whatever. It wasn't even Saturn. I know Satan, the satanic symbol was is based off sulfur. I don't know where, but Marilyn Manson always did the Mercury, Mercury (laughs) connection to Satanism. I don't know. All the thermometers are all... (laughs) Anti God. Six degrees. <laughs> they, they work. They work against God's teaching. Those thermometers. <laughs> in 1932, an esoteric group known as the Brotherhood of the Golden Arrow was established in Paris, France, by Maria de Niklaska, a Russian occultist who had fled to France following the Russian Revolution. She promoted a theology centered on what she called the third term of the Trinity, consisting of Father, Son, and Sex. The latter of which she deemed to be the most important. Her early disciples, who underwent what she called satanic initiations, included models and art students recruited from bohemian circles. The Golden Arrow disbanded after Niklauska abandoned it in 1936. According to some, hers was a quite complicated Satanism, built on a complex philosophical vision of the world, of which little would survive its initiator. During the 1950s, various British tabloid newspapers repeated such claims, largely basing their accounts on the allegations of one woman, Sarah Jackson, who claimed to have been a member of such group. 
1973, the British Christian Doreen Irvine published From Witchcraft to Christ, in which she claimed to have been a member of a satanic group that gave her supernatural powers, such as the ability to levitate, before she escaped and embraced Christianity. And that's how you know it's hot bullshit. Yeah, people that believe in the magic shit and they're like, oh, I had all these superpowers (laughs) and like everything you say is unbelievable now. None of it's could possibly be true. Nothing you say is a, is a truth. In 1969, a satanic group based in Toledo, Ohio, came to public attention. Called the Our Lady of the Indoor Coven, it was led by a man named Herbert Sloan, who described his satanic tradition as the Ophite cultus Satanus and alleged that it had been established in the 1940s. The group had a Gnostic doctrine about the world, in which the Judeo-Christian creator God is regarded as evil, and the biblical serpent is presented as a force for good, who had delivered salvation to humanity in the Garden of Eden. Sloan's claims that his group had a 1940s origin remain unproven. It may be that he falsely claimed older origin for his group to make it appear older than Anton LaVey's Church of Satan, which had been established in 1966. We're going to circle back around to the official Church of Satan here in a sec. In the United States during the 1960s and 1970s, various Christian preachers, the most famous being Mike Warnke in his 1972 book, The Satan Seller, claimed that they had been members of satanic groups who carried out sex rituals and animal sacrifices before discovering Christianity. According to Gareth Medway in his historical examination of Satanism, these stories were a series of inventions by insecure people and hack writers, each one based on the previous story, exaggerated a little more each time. Other publications made allegations of Satanism against historical figures. The 1970s saw the publication of the Roman Protestant preacher Richard Wormbrand's Wormbrand, that's fucked, (laughs) in which he argued, without corroborating evidence, that the socio-political theorist Karl Marx had been a Satanist. Karl Marx was a Satanist? Holy shit. These allegations of Satanic ritual abuse have been continued to be levied by popular right figures political actors such as Alex Jones and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and movements such as QAnon and the Pizzagate Conspiracies. They love their devil shit. They love their devil shit. They love their pizza. (laughs) They're basically the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Hillary Clinton reeks of salt. (laughs) That (laughs) she-devil. So now that we've summed up many of the various groups who claim Satan throughout history, we have to address the biggest one, the Church of Satan. (laughs) (laughs) The Church of Satan is a religious organization dedicated to the religion of Levian Satanism as codified in the Satanic Bible. The Church of Satan was established at the Black House in San Francisco, California on April 30, 1966 by Anton Sander Levay, who was the church's high priest until his death in 1997. Members do not believe that Satan literally exists and do not worship him. Instead, Satan is viewed as a positive archetype embracing the Hebrew root of the word Satan as adversary, who represents pride, carnality, and enlightenment, and of a cosmos which Satanists perceive to be motivated by a dark evolutionary force of entropy that permeates all of nature and provides the drive for survival and propagation inherent in all living things. The devil is embraced as a symbol of defiance against the Abrahamic faiths which LaVey criticized for what he saw as the suppression of humanity's natural instincts. In his book, The Satanic Bible, the Satanist concept of a god is described as a Satanist true self, 
a projection of his or her own personality, not an external deity. Satan is used as a representation of personal liberty and individualism. The church describes its structural basis as a cabal, as an underground cell system of individuals who share the basis of their philosophy. The church rejects legitimacy of any other organizations that claim to be Satanists. Scholars agree that there is no reliable documented cases of satanic continuity prior to the founding of the Church of Satan. It was the first organized church in modern times to be devoted to the figure of Satan, and according to Faxneld and Peterson, the church represented the first public, highly visible, and long-lasting organization which propounded a concurrent satanic discourse. When discussing the Church of Satan, it is important to understand Anton LaVey himself. At the age of 16, he left school to join the circus. (laughs) He worked various circus acts, including working with big cats before finding his passion as a professional musician. In the winter of 1948, LaVey began to work as an organist in bars, lounges, and nightclubs. His genius on keyboards helped him attain gigs. While playing organ in Los Angeles burlesque houses, all of the while he was writing, he wrote his own personal philosophy while moonlighting for various magazines. What is most important to understand about LaVey is that he is an artist and a performer. The artistic irony and flamboyant rituals of the Church of Satan make this obvious. The Satanic Bible was officially published in 1969. The Satanic Bible is essentially a collection of Nietzschean philosophies and repudiations of Christian teachings. Hate your enemies with a whole heart, and if a man smite you on one cheek, smash him on the other. Say unto thy own heart, I am my own redeemer. There is no heaven or glory bright, and no hell where sinners roast. There's actually a lot of really interesting ideas inside its cover, but it's it's mixed with a lot of bullshit. Yeah. We're, we're going to take a brief look at some of the actual philosophy here in a bit. The book has gone on to sell nearly a million copies. Sales remain steady with a noticeable rise every Halloween, according <laughs> to Avon Books publicist. A copy of the Satanic Bible is even exhibited under glass in Moscow's Russian Museum of Atheism. Damn, that's awesome. Right? LaVey's follow-up texts, The Satanic Rituals and The Complete Witch, also remain in print. But the first Satanic church, dubbed the Black House, was founded in 1966. The Black House was a building that formerly stood at 6114 California Street in San Francisco, California. The house was used by Anton LaVey as the headquarters of the Church of Satan from 1966 until his death in 1997. LaVey conducted satanic seminars and rituals at the house. One of the most notorious such rituals was the satanic baptism of his daughter, Xenia, in 1967, punctuated by LaVey speaking the words, Hell Xenia, Hell Satan, over the nude body of a female acting as a satanic altar. And real quick, the they called it the Black House because, you know, San Francisco, so colorful, all these very bright row houses, but the Black House, just in the middle of a normal neighborhood, was this long row house just painted matte black in the middle of a neighborhood, and it looked so dark and gothy, and all these people wearing these goofy-ass costume and masks would come in to do these ironic and flamboyant little rituals, yelling, Hail Satan, in the basement. <laughs> Pretty brutal. For the time, very brutal. Now, it kind of seems cringe. Yeah, very performance art kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. A number of religious study scholars have described LaVey's Satanism as a form of self-religion or self-spirituality, arguing it should be seen as being both part of the prosperity wing of the self-spirituality New Age movement 
and a form of the human potential movement. The anthropologist Jean LaFontaine described it as having both elitist and anarchist elements, also citing one occult bookshop owner who referred to the church's approach as anarchistic hedonism. Others theorized that LaVey viewed his religion as an antinomian self-religion for productive misfits, with a cynically carnivalesque take on life with no supernaturalism. Other noteworthy descriptions include a rational idea of egotistic hedonism and self-preservation, a religion of self-indulgence, and an institutionalism of Machiavellian self-interest. Prominent church leader Blanche Barton described Satanism as an alignment, a lifestyle. LaVey and the church stated that Satanists are born, not made, that they are outsiders by nature, living as they see fit, who are self-realized in a religion which appeals to the would-be Satanist nature, leading them to realize they are Satanists through finding a belief system that is in line with their own perspective and lifestyle. Adherents to the philosophy have described Satanism as a non-spiritual religion of the flesh, the world's first carnal religion. LaVey used Christianity as a negative mirror for his new faith, with LaVey and Satanism rejecting the basic principles and theology of Christian belief. It views Christianity alongside other major religions and philosophies, such as humanism and liberal democracy, as largely negative forces on humanity. Levian Satanists perceive Christianity as a lie which promotes idealism, self-denigration, herd behavior, and irrationality. Levians view their religion as a force for redressing this balance by encouraging materialism, egoism, stratification, carnality, atheism, and social Darwinism. LaVey's Satanism was particularly critical of what it understands as Christianity's denial of humanity's animal nature, and it instead calls for the celebration of, and the indulgence in, these desires. In doing so, it places an emphasis on the carnal rather than the spiritual. Moreover, Satan also serves as a metaphorical external projection of the individual's godhood. LaVey stated that God is a creation of man, rather than man being a creation of God. LaVey explained that the gods worshipped by other religions are also projections of man's true self. He argues that man's unwillingness to accept his own ego has caused him to externalize these gods as so to avoid the feelings of narcissism that would accompany self-worship. During the height of Satanism, led by LaVey, the Church of Satan managed to piss off a lot of parents and scare a lot of Christians and politicians. Preceded by some significant but isolated episodes in the 1970s, the Satanic Panic exploded in the 1980s in the United States and Canada, and was subsequently exported towards England, Australia, and other countries. It was unprecedented in history and has been compared with the most virulent periods of witch hunting. While building momentum during the 70s, the scare started raging during the 1980s and declined slowly between 1990 and 1994, when official British and American reports denied the real existence of ritual satanic crimes, particularly outside the U.S. and the U.K. However, its consequences are still felt today. One of the primary sources for the scare was Michelle Remembers, a 1980 book by the Canadian psychiatrist Lawrence Pazder, in which he detailed what he claims were the repressed memories of his patient and wife, Michelle Smith. Smith claimed that as a child, she had been abused by her family in satanic rituals in which babies were sacrificed and Satan himself appeared. In 1983, allegations were made that the McMartin family, owners of a preschool in California, were guilty of sexually abusing the children in their care during satanic rituals. 
The allegations resulted in a lengthy and expensive trial in which all of the accused would eventually be cleared. The publicity generated by the case resulted in similar allegations being made in various other parts of the United States. So this particular case with the McMartin family, this preschool, it's a very famous case in American history. So it all started with one accusation. One child said something goofy to their parent, and then a letter went out to the community asking if their kids had had any satanic experiences at the school. And it just immediately exploded. It played into all of the American fears at the time. And these kids just want to make their parents happy, right? So when they're critically questioned, these kids would agree to everly, increasingly imaginative versions of events. And right. They, and- they, they're, you know, asking leading questions. And they're, they even, like, at one point um, in the, the article that I was looking at said that they were um, offered rewards for information. So, like, they were rewarding <laughs> – if they just made shit up, they were going to give them candy or, you know, some shit. This is even crazier. Initially, I thought the school was the one that sent out the letter, but the police sent it out to the community. So, this is the letter that was sent to about 200 parents of students at the McMartin School. September 8th, 1983. Dear Parent, this department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation. Ray Buckley, an employee of Virginia McMartin's preschool, was arrested September 7, 1983 by this department. The following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your children, as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary for a complete investigation. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. We are asking your assistance in this continuing investigation. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates that possible criminal acts include oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttocks, or chest area, and sodomy. (laughs) What? (laughs) So fucking stupid. (laughs) Possibly committed under the pretense of, quote, Taking the child's temperature. (laughs) Also, photos may have been taken of your children without their clothing. Nice. Any information from your child regarding having ever observed Ray Buckley to leave a classroom alone with a child during any nap period, or if they have ever observed Ray Buckley tie up a child is important. Jesus. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to the department in the enclosed stamped return envelope as soon as possible. We will contact you if circumstances dictate same. We ask you to please keep this investigation strictly confidential because of the nature of the charges and the highly emotional effect it can have on our community. Please do not discuss this investigation with anyone outside your immediate family. Do not contact or discuss the investigation with Raymond Bucky, any member of the accused defendant's family, or employees connected with the McMartin Preschool. And then in all caps it reads at the bottom... (laughs) There is no evidence to indicate <laughs> There is no evidence to indicate that the management of Virginia McMartin's preschool had any knowledge of this situation and no detrimental information concerning the operation of the school has been discovered during this investigation. Also no other employee in the school has been under investigation for any criminal act. Wow. What a joke. What officer donuts put that fucking letter out? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fucking idiots. Imagine sending that letter out to 200 anyone. Yeah. Like, 
holy shit what are they especially parents at a preschool and they're like of course like people are going to freak the fuck out okay low-key parents love when their kids get molested (laughs) (laughs) that shit was a fad at that time too holy fuck they're like oh now i get the attention well especially a bunch a small christian community oh my this guy's name ray that's a bad name he sounds like (laughs) (laughs) sounds guilty to me if you know a guy named ray drop him some of the children's stories included standard ritual sexual abuse mass orgies hot air balloon rides secret chambers and tunnels alligator filled sewers under the school toilets that flush the dead bodies and one child even claimed to have been abused by chuck norris What's, I mean, you know, not saying Chuck Norris didn't have anything to do with it, but what does Chuck Norris have to do with any of this? <laughs> hey, he hides some things under that beard. And fucking Walker, Texas Ranger came in and did satanic rituals and touched my butt. <laughs> <laughs> All charges were dropped in 1990. By the case's end, it had become the longest and most expensive series of criminal trials in American history. God, I just, I have to pop. That is so fucking longest, most expensive criminal trial in American history in 1990. It has since been surpassed by Big Tobacco, the BP oil spill, and a few <laughs> others. But when it was all over, the government had spent seven years and $15 million investigating and prosecuting a case that led to no convictions. That is so wild. And, and to put a, an extra little asterisk on it, I believe Raymond died shortly after the trials because he drunk himself to death in a suicidal act. Like he became, from, from my understanding, he became an alcoholic during that case and like after it finished up, he was done living. Like, this destroyed yeah. the McMartin family, the community, all those kids' lives that were in court for all those years. Like, it's so fucking stupid. To, to, it's still in the top five most expensive criminal trials ever. And the wild, be- the wild part is you have all these kids that lied and made shit up when they're, you know, in preschool. And right. then, and now as they're getting older and they're realizing that, like, if they're in, you know, court, them lying gets them in trouble. Yeah. And I don't know if you know anything about little kids, but little kids are going to fucking lie their asses off to stay out of trouble. They're not very smart at that age. Yeah, they're not recognizing the, and how could they recognize the, you know, the consequences of their actions? It's so wild. There, there's a handful of other cases I really wanted to touch on of uh, young male goth satanic teens that- like a lot of cases where these kids like went away for a satanic murder they never committed and there's one famous case in particular that one of the guy there were three teenagers and they the last guy just recently got out of prison like the last 5 years he's he did a life sentence and he his other two buddies got out but they had to take an agreement saying that they did commit the crimes and that they could not sue the government. And the one kid was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to do the whole life sentence because I'll never say I did it. Like, wow. These, these accusations of Satanism in the 70s and 80s, it is like we can't see it today. It's it's only been 40, 50 years, whatever. But like it was a different world. I mean, it's your tax dollars at work, yo. 
Yeah. Given given Satan is three hots in a cot. <laughs> a prominent aspect of the satanic scare was the claim by those in the developing anti-Satanism movement that any child's claim about satanic ritual abuse must be true because children would not lie. Such uh, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, during this, they are bringing in these new age psychiatrists to do age, regr- like, regression memory recovery with these kids, too. So it's like, there's a whole other, like, psychodrama playing out, too. And although some involved in the anti-Satanism movement were from Jewish and secular backgrounds, a central part was played by fundamentalists and evangelical forms of Christianity, in particular, Pentecostalism with Christian groups holding conferences and producing books and videotapes to promote belief in the conspiracy. Various figures in law enforcement also came to be promoters of the conspiracy theory, with such cult cops holding various conferences to promote it. The scare was later imported to the United Kingdom through visiting evangelicals and became popular among the country's social workers, resulting in a range of accusations and trials across Britain. The satanic ritual abuse hysteria died down between 1990 and 1994. In the late 1980s, the satanic scare had lost its impetus following increasing skepticism about such allegations and the number of those who had been convicted of perpetuating satanic ritual abuse saw their convictions overturned. In 1990, an agent of the FBI, Ken Lanning, revealed that he had investigated 300 allegations of satanic ritual abuse and found no evidence for Satanism or ritualistic activity in any of them. Oh, for 300, said the Fed. Fucking shit. In the UK, the Department of Health commissioned the anthropologist we've mentioned before, Jean LaFontaine, to examine the allegations of SRA, sexually ritual abuse. She noted that while approximately half did reveal evidence of genuine sexual abuse of children, None revealed any evidence that Satanistic groups had been involved or that any of the murders had taken place. She noted three examples in which lone individuals engaged in child molestation had created a ritual performance to facilitate their sexual acts with the intent of frightening their individuals and justifying their actions, but none of these child molesters were involved in the wider Satanic groups. So, a a ton of people took advantage of the Satanic scare, the Satanic panic. yeah. As a way to cover up their sexual abuse. Like, when the whole culture is screaming at this, it's just a perfect way to, like, hide shit. Like, of course, a ton of people- It's an excellent scapegoat. Yeah. On at least one account, the FBI even interviewed Anton LaVey himself. In 1980, the FBI interviewed LaVey in connection with an alleged plot to murder Ted Kennedy. (laughs) LaVey told the agents that most of the church's followers were fanatics, cultists, and weirdos. The agents reported that LaVey's interest in the Church of Satan is strictly from a monetary point of view, and that he spent most of his time furnishing interviews, writing material, and lately has become interested in photography. Okay, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just a paycheck, you know, and yeah. you know what I really what I'm really about is this photography thing. It sounds about right. Yeah, though. it like really does sound like LaVey. Yeah. In July 1984, his wife Hegarty issued a restraining order against LeVay, which he did not contest. LeVay's third and final companion was Blanche Barton. On November 1st, 1993, Barton gave birth to Satan Xerxes Karnaki LeVay. 
Barton succeeded LeVay as the head of the church after his death, and had since stepped down from that role and handed it to Magnus Peter H. Gilmore. Public ceremonies were performed at the Black House until 1972. LeVay lost ownership of the house in 1991 as a result of a court settlement resulting from his separation from Haggerty, but LeVay was allowed to reside for the remainder of his days. As a side note, I want to read a short section of an article published in Spin Magazine titled Running with the Devil, written by none other than Marilyn Manson himself. The doctor really wants to meet you, she replied. Can you come between one and two tonight? No matter what time the doctor called me or where he summoned me to, I planned to be there. I admired and respected him. We had a lot of things in common. We had experience as extravagant showmen successfully placed curses on people, studied criminology and serial killers, found a kindred spirits in the writings of Nietzsche, and constructed a philosophy against repression and in support of nonconformity. In short, we both had dedicated the better part of our lives to toppling Christianity with the weight of its own hypocrisy, and as a result, been used as scapegoats to justify Christianity's existence. Oh, the caller added before she hung up, make sure you come alone. The doctor was the preferred name of Anton Xander LeVay, founder and high priest of the Church of Satan. What nearly everyone in my life, from my black magic dabbling high school friends to my Christian school teachers, had misunderstood about Satanism was that it was not about ritual sacrifices, digging up graves, and worshiping the devil. The devil doesn't exist. Satanism is about worshiping yourself, because you are responsible for your own good and evil. Christianity's war against the devil has always been a fight against man's natural instincts, and a denial of man's membership in the animal kingdom. The idea of heaven is just Christianity's way of creating hell on earth. I'm not and have never been a spokesperson for Satanism. It is simply part of what I believe in, along with Dr. Seuss, Dr. Hook, Nietzsche, and the Bible which I also believe in. I just have my own interpretation. That night, Anton LaVey would give Marilyn Manson a crimson card certifying him as a minister in the Church of Satan. The card was said to represent a symbolic passing of the church and with it a leading role in the church's future. Manson accepted the card, but never played future influence to the church. It could have been a lot more interesting if he did, though. Definitely. Instead, the church's leadership role was passed to the boring-ass but safe choice of Magnus Peter Gilmore. <laughs> Anton LaVey died on October 29th, 1997, in St. Mary's Medical Center in San Francisco of pulmonary edema. He was taken to St. Mary's, a Catholic hospital, because it was the closest available. A secret satanic funeral, attended by invitation only, was held in coma, after which LaVey's body was cremated. On February 2nd, 1998, his estranged daughter, Zena Streck, and her then-husband, Nicholas Streck, published a nine-page fact sheet in which they endorsed Wright's earlier allegations and claimed that many more of LeVay's stories about his life had been false. Many personal allegations have been made about Anton LeVay. I have no idea what the truth is. The FBI claimed he only cared about money and thought little of his followers. His ex-wife and daughter Xenia accused him of cruelty. I don't know the full details of that, but there were rumors of at least physical abuse. I can't really speak to anything more. Uh, the Christians called him the devil, and the Satanists thought of him as a saint. Anton LaVey had always claimed to have been a past lover of Marilyn Monroe. I tend to think he just liked all the attention. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
I love some of the things he wrote, but he may very well have been an absolute shitty person in his family life. I think of him as a writer and an artist above all else. What he created was an important counterculture resistance to the mainstream's beliefs of the time. But in the end, the Church of Satan is just another church with a slightly cooler name and better aesthetics. While the Church of Satan continues to survive to this day, without LeVay's enthusiastic and controversial showmanship, it has fallen into disarray and obscurity. I believe at one point the church was taken over by a new administration, and their headquarters may have moved to New York. I think it was in Hell's Kitchen at some point. But none of that really matters. The only people that still join the official Church of Satan are just the nerds who want to pay a $50 fee on the website to get an honorary membership card in the mail. Actually, so nowadays the Church of Satan membership fee is actually $250. (laughs) Of course it is. Uh, Meanwhile, the Satanic Temple is free. Membership card is $35 if you want it in the mail. Ah. But we will talk more about the Satanic Temple in a little bit. Yeah, they're a whole different group. But that makes sense that theirs would be free or much cheaper compared to the Church of Satan. Yeah, exactly. And while the hysteria about Satanism has waned in most Western countries during the 21st century, allegations of Satanic ritual abuse have continued to surface in parts of continental Europe and Latin America. While Satanic rumors and witch hunts still play out in many countries across the world, there was a relatively calm period of inactivity in the United States during the 90s to the 2000s. The public consciousness had began to shift. Depending on how you want to look at it, you could attribute that as both a failing or a success of the Church of Satan. More likely, it was just the changing of the times. Religious fundamentalism is less common than it used to be, and atheism more popular. While churches across the country struggle to fill the pews each week, it seems as though God has become much more accommodating. The FBI's Eye of Sauron shifted its gaze from satanic cults to the insane clown posse. Fire and brimstone preachers have largely given way to the greed of prosperity gospels, and more and more Americans don't give a fuck if the crucifix necklace you wear is upside right or upside down. Welcome to the era of apathy. No longer do Marilyn Manson and Ozzy Osbourne scare the parents. Fuck it, give them a damn talk show and let them sell some commercials. For a little while, they all got sheepish of the gangster rap. That made sense, because those dudes made money and power out of nothing. And as much as the churches hated the 808 beats, a lot of youth pastors still tried dipping their toes in the rap game. But we all saw how that turned out on YouTube. Well, hell yeah, we did. (laughs) In the end, the public wasn't scared anymore. At least not the way they used to be. Punk was dead, all the rock stars overdosed, and the rappers just killed each other or got bad contracts. Either way, they all had a short shelf life. Who's going to fear God when he got capitalism breathing down your neck? Amen. Satan never had a chance of outselling Kanye. Besides, who needs the devil when he got little Nas X? Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No one who takes a bus to work gives a fuck about politics, much less philosophy. Times had changed. God might be down on his luck, but he's not dead yet. So Satan managed to stick around too. In the wake of the Church of Satan, new satanic movements have begun to take place. Fast forward to 2015 and a little place called Detroit. In July 2015, 700 attendees from the public and Detroit's chapter of the Satanic Temple gathered. Attendees had to, quote, sell their souls to Satan in order to receive a ticket, a tactic that the Satanic Temple employed to, quote, keep away some of the more radical superstitious people who would try to undermine the event. The curtain dropped, revealing an eight-and-a-half-foot-tall, 3,000-pound bronze statue depicting Baphomet, a winged, goat-headed humanoid with two smiling youths 
gazing up at the seated central figure. This statue had been founded online by people across the world who had donated to the Satanic Temple and their political cause. The Satanic Temple is the new and improved spiritual successor of the Church of Satan. The Satanic Temple is an American religious and political activist organization based in Salem, Massachusetts. The organization actively participates in public affairs that have manifested in several public political actions and efforts at lobbying, with a focus on separation of church and state, and using satire against Christian groups that it believes interfere with personal freedoms. They carry many of the same ideas as the old Satanist, but with a modern focus on science and politics. They're basically rationalist political pranksters. Their pranks are designed to highlight religious hypocrisy and advance the causes of secularism. In one of their actions, they performed what they called a pink mass over the grave of the mother of evangelical Christian and prominent anti-LGBT preacher Fred Phelps. The temple claimed that the mass converted the spirit of Phelps' mother into a lesbian. (laughs) That's awesome. Right. That's fucking so good. (laughs) The satanic temple does not believe in supernatural Satan as they believe that this encourages superstition that would keep them from being malleable to the best current scientific understandings of the material world. The temple uses the literary Satan as a metaphor to construct a cultural narrative which promotes pragmatic skepticism, rational reprocity, personal autonomy, and curiosity. Satan is thus used as a symbol representing the eternal rebel against the arbitrary authority and social norms. So when an Oklahoma state representative decided to erect a statue of the Ten Commandments at the Capitol building, the Satanic Temple got to work. The Baphomet statue was initially commissioned to be installed alongside the Ten Commandments outside the Oklahoma state Capitol, as the Satanic Temple offered to donate Baphomet for display on the Capitol grounds. After litigation of Prescott v. Oklahoma, the Capitol Preservation Commission concluded with a state Supreme Court order to remove the Ten Commandments monument and the Satanic Temple withdrew their request to place Baphomet on Oklahoma public property. Satan for the win. Fuck yeah. Production of the statue and its initial notoriety is featured in the documentary Hell Satan? I think it's still on Netflix. It follows the political group and the artist creating the statue. Fuck yeah, I gotta check that out. Yeah. The mission of the Satanic Temple is to encourage benevolence and empathy, reject tyrannical authority, advocate practical common sense, oppose injustice, and undertake noble pursuits. They are more of a political party than a church, and they do their work with compassion and a focus on logically confronting social issues related to personal freedom. In an attempt to combat the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the increasingly draconian legislation against women's rights in Texas, the Temple of Satan began an outreach program offering satanic abortions. The following is from the Satanic Temple's website. Consistent with our tenets that call for bodily autonomy and acting in accordance with best scientific evidence, the Satanic Temple religiously objects to many of the restrictions that states have enacted that interfere with abortion access. The Satanic Temple is taking many steps on behalf of our members and those who share our beliefs to establish exemptions from laws that do not promote the health and safety of patients and violate our conscience and beliefs. The Satanic Temple is committed to supporting its LGBTQIA members. Bodily autonomy has been a central pillar of the Satanic Temple's mission since its founding. The Satanic Temple trans members of any age who need support, as well as any other member who feels targeted or marginalized, may contact us at rrr at thesatanictemple.com so we can provide counseling and assistance. 
how is the satanic abortion ritual legally protected? As a federally recognized religion, the satanic temple utilizes RFRA and the Hobby Lobby precedent to protect its members from unnecessary abortion regulations that inhibit their religious practices and force them to violate their deeply held beliefs. Following the overturning of Roe v. Wade, as you can imagine, each state has different laws and restrictions, and religious exemptions vary. Some states recognize religious exemptions, and some will not. The state you are in can make an enormous difference in whether the state government will recognize your right to utilize a religious exemption. Nevertheless, please know that the Satanic Temple will do our best to offer available resources, assist in hunting down information, and aid our members in restricted states to the best of our abilities. If you or someone you know is pregnant and wants to terminate their pregnancy, please get in touch with us so we can help in any way we can. That's awesome. Yeah. Super yeah, cool I, shit. Yeah. If I had to pick an organization to join, it would probably be them. It, it still feels a bit goofy or diluted of the anger I attribute to traditional Satanism. Yeah. But they do really important things, and I think we definitely encourage people to check them out. Yeah. We're going to finish up our episode focusing on the ideological belief of LeBay's Church of Satan, simply because their ideas and philosophy are what independently attracted both of us to the concept of Satanism in our youth, and is closer to what Satanism generally represents, at least to us. I feel like some of it, I, I feel like you are more, I think you said this the other day, you feel more attracted to the Church of Satan while I f feel more of the Satanic Temple. Yeah, I think it they fit our personalities that way pretty well. Yeah, but definitely to start with, the Church of Satan was was the the original introduction to it for me. Definitely. To sum things up a bit, we have taken a look at the biblical origins of Satan and many of the various groups throughout history that have championed his name, all the way from Lucifer being cast from heaven, from the Satanic Panic of the 80s, to modern political Satanic abortions. But now we need to realign the satanic chakras and take a closer look at the actual philosophical dogma of the original founding Church of Satan. In all honesty, if you've listened this far into our shitty podcast, you likely hold many of these ideas anyway. In, in no way do we actually advocate for the Church of Satan mm -hmm. or Satanism in general, but just some of its ideas, many of which are indeed worth considering. Right. The base teachings through the Church of Satan promoted indulgence, vital existence, undefiled wisdom, kindness to those who deserve it, responsibility to the responsible, and an eye-for-an-eye code of ethics, while shunning abstinence based on guilt, spirituality, unconditional love, pacifism, equality, herd mentality, and scapegoating. LaVey envisioned a Satanist as a carnal, physical, and pragmatic being. The core values of LaVey and Satanism are the enjoyment of physical existence, an undiluted naturalism that sees mankind as animals that exist in an amoral universe. Vevey believes that the ideal Satanist should be individualistic and nonconformist, rejecting what he called the colorless existence that mainstream society sought to impose on those living within it. He praised the human ego for encouraging an individual's pride, self-respect, and self-realization, and accordingly believed in satisfying the ego's desires. He stated that self-indulgence was a desirable trait, and that hate and aggression were not wrong or undesirable emotions, but that they were necessary and advantageous for survival. Accordingly, he praised the seven deadly sins as virtues which were beneficial for the individual. The anthropologist Jean LaFontaine 
highlighted an article that appeared in the Black Flame, in which one writer described a true satanic society as one in which the population consists of free-spirited, well-armed, fully conscious, self-disciplined individuals who will neither need nor tolerate any external entity protecting them or telling them what they can and cannot do. LaVey explained that the gods worshipped by other religions are also projections of man's true self. He argues that man's unwillingness to accept his own ego has caused him to externalize these gods so as to avoid the feeling of narcissism that would accompany self-worship. The current high priest of the Church of Satan, Peter Gilmore, further expounds that Satan is a living symbol of man living as his prideful, carnal nature dictates. Satan is not a conscious entity to be worshipped, rather a reservoir of power inside each human to be tapped at will. The Church of Satan has chosen Satan as its primary symbol because in Hebrew it means adversary, opposer, one to accuse or question. We see ourselves as being these Satans, the adversaries, opposers, and accusers of all spiritual belief systems that would try to hamper our enjoyment of life as a human being. The term theistic Satanism has been described as oxymoronic by the church and its high priest. The church of Satan rejects the legitimacy of other organizations who claim to be Satanists, dubbing them reverse Christians, pseudo-Satanists, or devil worshippers, atheistic or otherwise, and maintains a purest approach to Satanism as expounded by LaVey. While Christianity has its Ten Commandments, the Satanic equivalent consists of nine Satanic statements, eleven Satanic rules, and nine Satanic sins. The Nine Satanic Statements The Nine Satanic Statements are a set of nine assertions made by LaVey in the introductory chapters of the Satanic Bible. They are considered a touchstone of contemporary organized Satanism that constitute, in effect, brief aphorisms that capture Satanic philosophy. Number 1. Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. 2. Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Number 3. Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. 4. Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. 5. Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. 6. Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. (laughs) 7. Satan represents man as just another animal who, because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. 8. Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they lead to physical, mental, and emotional gratification. 9. Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept him in business all these years. I love the actual points they make, but I love how bitter and uh, like uh, yeah. filled with humor they are too. Dry humor. The 11 Satanic Rules of the Earth. Number 1. Do not give your opinions or advice unless you are asked. 2. Do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them. 3. When in another's home, show them respect or else do not go there. 4. If a guest in your home annoys you, treat them cruelly and without mercy. 5. Do not make sexual advances unless you are giving the mating call. 6. Do not take which does not belong to you unless it is a burden to the other person and they cry out to be relieved. Number 7. Acknowledge the power of magic if you have employed it successfully to obtain your desires. If you deny the power of magic after having called upon it with success, you will lose all you have obtained. As a side note, we did not spend much time on magic, and it's magic with a K. 
this episode, but we're going to save that for another day. Magic is essentially just a substitute for energy or intention in Satanism. And yeah. honestly, all the magic stuff is like really fucking lame. Like a lot it's of like it, Harry I Potter. think. Yeah, I feel like some of it's like kind of like the secret thing where yeah. you are it's encouraging you to put energy and faith into a thing that you want to happen and by yeah. extension that it it happens. So. Yeah, it just sucks how much of a part of it 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 honestly is. But. Yeah. Number 8, do not complain about anything to which you need not subject yourself. 9, do not harm little children. 10, do not kill non-human animals unless you are attacked or for your food. 11. When walking in open territory, bother no one. If someone bothers you, ask him to stop. If he does not stop, destroy him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one's so awesome. That, that could be in like the hood survival rules for sure. Yeah. I love it. It's real shit. For real. The Nine Satanic Sins. These sins, published by LaVey in 1987, outline characteristics Satanism should avoid. Stupidity. Pretentiousness. Solipsism. Self-deceit. Herd conformity. Lack of perspective. Forgetfulness of past orthodoxies. Counterproductive pride. Lack of aesthetics. Based. Right? Such a good last one. Lastly, we thought it would be fitting that we conclude with a few pages from the Satanic Bible itself. From the Book of Lucifer, the Enlightenment. The Roman god Lucifer was the bearer of light, the spirit of the air, the personification of enlightenment. In Christian mythology, he became synonymous with evil, which was only to have been expected from a religion whose very existence is perpetrated by clouded definitions and bogus values. It is time to set the record straight. False moralisms and occult inaccuracies must be corrected. Entertaining as they may be, most stories and plays about devil worship must be recognized as the obsolete absurdities that they are. It has been said, the truth will make men free. The truth alone has never set anyone free. It is only doubt which will bring mental emancipation. Without the wonderful element of doubt, the doorway through which truth passes would be tightly shut, impervious to the most strenuous poundings of a thousand Lucifers. How understandable that holy scripture should refer to the infernal monarch as the father of lies, a magnificent example of character inversion. If one is to believe this theological accusation that the devil represents falsehood, then it surely must be concurred that it was he, not God, that established all spiritual religions and who wrote all the holy Bibles. When one doubt is followed by another, the bubble grown large from long accumulated fallacies threatens to burst. For those who already doubt supposed truths, this book is revelation. Then Lucifer will have risen. Now is the time for doubt. The bubble of falsehood is bursting, and its sound is the roar of the world. It is a popular misconception that the Satanist does not believe in God. The concept of God, as interpreted by man, has been so varied throughout the ages that the Satanist simply accepts the definition which suits him best. Man has always created his gods, rather than his gods creating him. God is to some benign, to others terrifying, to the Satanist, God, by whatever name he is called, or by who no name at all, is seen as the balancing factor in nature, and not as being concerned with suffering. This powerful force, which permeates and balances the universe, 
is far too impersonal to care about the happiness or misery of flesh and blood creatures on this ball of dirt upon which we live. Anyone who thinks of Satan as evil should consider all the men, women, and children, and animals who have died because it was God's will. Certainly a person grieving the untimely loss of a loved one would much rather have their loved one with them than in God's hands. Instead, they are unctuously consoled by their clergyman who says, It was God's will, my dear, or He is in God's hands now, my son. Such praises have been a convenient way for religionists to condone or excuse the mercilessness of God. But if God is in complete control and as benign as He is supposed to be, then why does He allow these things to happen? Too long have religionists been falling back on their Bibles and rule books to prove or disprove, justify, condemn, or interpret. The Satanist realizes that man and their action and reaction of the universe is responsible for everything and doesn't mislead himself into thinking that someone cares. No longer will we sit back and accept fate without doing anything about it. Just because it says so in chapter such and such, Psalm so and so, and that's that. <laughs> the Satanist knows that praying does absolutely no good. In fact, it actually lessens the chance of success. For the devoutly a religious too often sit back complacently and pray for a situation which, if they were to do something about it on their own, could be accomplished much quicker. The Satanist shuns terms such as hope and prayer as they are indicative of apprehension. If we hope and pray for something to come about, we will not act in a positive way which will make it happen. The Satanist realizing that anything he gets is of his own doing, takes command of the situation, instead of praying to God for it to happen. Positive thinking and positive action add up to results. Just as a Satanist does not pray to God for assistance, he does not pray for forgiveness for his wrongdoings. In other religions, when one commits a wrong, he either prays to God for forgiveness or confesses to an intermediary and asks him to pray to God for forgiveness for his sins. The Satanist knows that praying does no good, Confessing to another human being like himself accomplishes even less, and is furthermore degrading. When a Satanist commits a wrong, he realizes that it is natural to make a mistake, and if he is truly sorry about what he has done, he will learn from it and take care not to do the same thing again. If he is not honestly sorry about what he has done and knows he will do the same thing over and over, he has no business confessing and asking forgiveness in the first place. But this is exactly what happens. People confess their sins so that they can clear their conscience and be free to go about and sin again, usually the same sin. There are many different interpretations of God, in the usual sense of the word, as there are types of people. The images run from a belief in a God who is some vague sort of universal cosmic mind to an anthropomorphic deity with a long white beard and sandals who keeps track of every action of the individual. Even within the confines of a given religion, the personal interpretations of God differ greatly. Some religions actually go so far as to label anyone who belongs to a religious sect other than their own a heretic, even though the overall doctrines and impressions of godliness are nearly the same. For example, the Catholics believe that the Protestants are doomed to hell simply because they do not belong to the Catholic Church. In the same way, Many splinter groups of the Christian faith, such as evangelical or revivalist churches, believe that the Catholics are heathens who worship graven images. Christ is depicted in the image that is most psychologically akin to the individual worshiping him. 
and yet the Christians criticize heathens for the worship of graven images. And the Jews have always been given the devil's name. Even though the God in all of these religions is basically the same, each regards the way chosen by the others as reprehensible, and to top it all, religionists actually pray for one another. They have scorn for their brothers of the right-hand path because their religions carry different labels, and somehow this animosity must be released. What better way than through prayer? What a simperingly polite way of saying, I hate your guts, is the thinly disguised device known as praying for your enemy. Praying for one's own enemy is nothing more than a bargain basement anger, and of decidedly shoddy and inferior quality. If there has been so much violent discrepancy as to the proper way in which to worship God, how many different interpretations of God can there be, and who is right? All devout white lighters are concerned with pleasing God so that they may have the pearly gates open for them when they die. Nevertheless, if a man has not lived his life in accordance with the regulations of his faith, he can at the last minute call a clergyman to his deathbed for a final absolution. The priest or minister will then come running on the double to make everything right with God, to see to it that his passport to the heavenly realm is in order. The Yezidis, a sect of devil worshippers, take a different viewpoint. They believe that God is all-powerful, but also all-forgiving, and so accordingly feel that it is the devil whom they must please, as he is the one who rules their lives while here on earth. They believe so strongly that God will forgive all their sins once they have been given their last rites, that they feel no need to concern themselves with the opinion God may hold of them while they live. With all of the contradictions in the Christian scriptures, many people currently cannot rationally accept Christianity the way it has been practiced in the past. Great numbers of people are beginning to doubt the existence of God in the established Christian sense of the word. So they have taken to calling themselves Christian atheists. True, the Christian Bible is a mass of contradictions, but what could be more contradictory than the term Christian atheist? If prominent leaders of the Christian faith are rejecting the past interpretations of God, how then can their followers be expected to adhere to previous religious tradition? With all the debates about whether or not God is dead, if he isn't, he had better have Medicare. The God you save may be yourself. All religions of spiritual nature are inventions of man. He has created entire systems of gods with nothing more than his carnal brain. Just because he has an ego and he cannot accept it, he has to externalize it into some great spiritual device which he calls God. God can do all things man is forbidden to do, such as kill people, perform miracles to gratify his will, control without any apparent responsibility, etc. If man needs such a god and recognizes that god, then he is worshipping an entity that is a human being invented. Therefore, he is worshipping by proxy the man that invented God. Is it not more sensible to worship a god that he himself had created in accordance with his own emotional needs, one that best represents the very carnal and physical being that has the idea power to invent a god in the first place? If man insists on externalizing his true self in the form of God, then why fear his true self in fearing God? Why praise his true form in praising God? Why remain externalized from God in order to engage in ritual and religious ceremony in his name? Man needs ritual and dogma, but no law states that an externalized God is necessary in order to engage in ritual and ceremony performed in God's name. Could it be that when he closes the gap between himself and his God, he sees the demon of pride creeping forth, the very embodiment of Lucifer appearing in his midst? He no longer can view himself in two parts, 
the carnal and the spiritual, but sees them merge as one, and they, to his abysmal horror, discover that they are only the carnal, and always were. Then he either hates himself to death, day by day, or rejoices that he is what he is. If he hates himself, he searches out new and more complex spiritual paths of enlightenment, in hopes that he may split himself up again in his quest for stronger and more externalized gods to scourge his poor, miserable soul. If he accepts himself, but recognizes that ritual and ceremony are important devices that his invented religions have utilized to sustain his faith in a lie, then it is the same form of ritual that will sustain his faith in the truth, the primitive pageantry that will give his awareness of his own majestic being added substance. When all religious faith and lies has waned, it is because man has become closer to himself and farther from God, closer to the devil. If this is what the devil represents, and a man lives his life in the devil's fane, with the sinews of Satan moving in his flesh, then he either escapes from the cracklings and carpings of the righteous, or stands proudly in his secret place of the earth and manipulates the fully ridden masses through his own satanic might, until the day when he may come forth in splendor proclaiming, I am a Satanist, bow down for I am the highest embodiment of human life. <laughs> I fucking love it. Right. Oh, man. Very wordy and, and flowery. Poetic. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know we covered a lot today. I think we just want to last final thoughts and get the fuck out of here. So, yeah. in conclusion, Satanism is the literal or philosophical worship of God's arch nemesis. It is an idea formed out of rebellion to religious authority. It is a pathway in which individuals may claim adversary status against others or society as a whole. On its face, it's immature, arrogant, and silly. At its most honest, it is a means to protect and reinforce oneself, a way in which many lost people find strength. No gods, no masters. It is a belief in self over or instead of God. In conclusion, if you're listening to this podcast still, you're probably a lot closer to believing in Satanism than you may have thought. As a concept and philosophy, Satanism is based. As a religion or church, it is garbage like the rest of them, and a true Satanist doesn't need a church nor a title. Yeah, I feel the fuck out of that. Yeah. The the, the Satanism that I feel like I resonate with is mostly just a, a way to, of carrying yourself. It's like or the the things that I I should say the things that I get from satanism that I resonate with are just ways to carry yourself and and ways to you know protect yourself and put yourself first. Yeah. All the all, I, all the heavens and hells, all the gods and devils, they're all inside us anyway. Yeah. I I've always liked the the phrase that you have to put yourself first because no one else is gonna. And that's, you know, when it you can say like, oh, you know, I, I have friends and family that'll take, you know, that are looking out for me. And that's, you know, and that's mostly true in many scenarios, but, you know, trolley car problem shit, <laughs> you know, when you're faced with a dilemma of it's me or them, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to imagine someone putting themselves before you. So you should always put yourself at the very forefront of everything you do. Fuck everybody. No gods, no masters. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's it. We did it. We covered a lot. And uh, I, I I feel like it, this is uh, an important one for us to have covered. We'll, we'll have some good yeah. chill stuff next time. 
I definitely don't uh, envy your editing process. Oh boy, I, yeah. I feel so, I I butchered so much of that, and Steven's going to make me sound like a smart. Uh, I'm going to conjure a little demon to edit it for me. <laughs> there we go. That's how you do it. Use that magic that Nilave talks about. Exactly. Well, I think we did it. We'll see you next time, trash cats. It'll be chill then. Go fast, eat trash. Hell, Satan, and hell yourself. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Make sure to check out the show page at Trash Cats Trashcast on Instagram for news and arts from the show. Uh, also, check out Facebook for the memes. For the memes. If you're super bored, you can check out my trashy satanic art on Instagram at mm-hmm. SkyzixX. Tune in next Wednesday for a chill ass freestyle. And that's going to be all for us today. Stay classy, eat trashy. Go fast, eat trash. Hail Satan. Hi, Elsa. Hi, Elsa. Hi, all that bitch. <laughs> <laughs>